And today we're going to continue our series, Practice Makes Perfect. And today I want to talk to you around the subject of practicing often. Practicing often. You know, this idea of practice makes perfect is, is not, we're not thinking of it in the same sense that it's, think, it, it's thought of in secular terms or in worldly terms. When we say practice makes perfect, what we're saying is there is a peace, a, a peace and a joy and a contentment in our life that comes when we practice the principles of the Word of God. That when we really get into this place of practicing God's will, practicing His presence, practicing uh, being in tune with Him, and, and allowing Him to manifest His will and purpose in us, that with that comes peace. And I was talking to a friend just yesterday, and we were, he was quoting to me in Proverbs where it says, God will give you that peace, He'll give you that love, He'll give you that joy, and He won't bring sorrow with it. And so it's very important that we understand that there is a place we can be in Christ that peace comes with it. Not that worldly peace where we, we just think that means calm with no outward troubles or circumstances around us. No, this is a supernatural peace that comes regardless of what's going on around us. Whether, whether things aren't going well, whether it, everything is tumultuous, whether maybe we don't feel well, we can still have this inward peace peace, the absence of that inward conflict. So we believe that the perfection of the Holy Spirit and the perfection of God can invade our lives when we practice the principles of His Word. So let's take our text this morning and we'll continue this study. And today I want to talk to you about practicing often. Well, we've talked about practice making perfect. Now, last week we talked about you can't just practice, but you have to practice right and if you haven't heard that message, go back and get the podcast. But then today we're going to talk about practicing often. So let's take our text, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 19. Everyone read it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And we want to take a subtext today, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 13. I want you to read that with me, if you will. The Apostle Paul said, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at least you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we just ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, to anoint this word. 
Lord, it, it, it is not our talent, our ability, our education, our intellect that can bring breakthrough in our lives, but it's, it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yokes of the bondages of sin. And Lord, it's not by our might or our power, but by your Spirit. And so, Father, today, we just, I just ask you to bathe this word in the, in the presence of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you'll cultivate the heart of every single person that is hearing this word today and that the, that the soil of their heart will be cultivated and that the seeds of this word will be planted in their lives and that it will bring forth fruit in their lives, God. That it will change not only their lives, but even the lives of everyone around them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Man, I love the word of God. I don't know about you, but... I really believe that the Word of God is powerful. The Bible said it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it, and it can cut and it can heal. You know, God uses that Word to speak into our spirit, into our heart, into our life to bring encouragement, to bring edification, to bring correction, to bring rebu rebuke and reproof. God is a good Father who loves us and cares for us, and because He does, He speaks His Word into our lives, and it makes a difference in our life. And so as I read this passage of Scripture today, it just stirs my heart because God is a God that changes things. God is a God who has power to do things in our life that we cannot do for ourselves. He says, the Apostle Paul said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. At least you renewed your concern for me. He's talking to the church here at Philippi, and he's saying, you've wanted an opportunity to bless the ministry that we're doing, and now you've been given that opportunity. And he's saying, I'm not saying this because I have need or because I need you to do this. He's saying, I, I'm saying this because, he said, I can be content in all things, but I'm saying this because it's an opportunity for you to be blessed when you bless the ministry of the kingdom. And he goes on to say that I can do all of this through Christ who strengthens me. What is all of this he's talking about? That contentment. He's talking about that place of contentment, that spiritual satisfaction where we can walk in that peace of God. And we, we can know if everything's up and good, we, we, we're fine. We, we, everything's going to be fine. If everything is down and, and not good, we're, we're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Why? Because we don't live by our sight or our senses or our feelings. We live by the Spirit and power of God and the Word of God. Paul is very clear that regardless of circumstances, we can be content because we know God is on our side. He's going to take care of us. Uh, there was this, uh, you know, as I'm talking about practicing often, I'm talking about the idea of practicing these principles of the Word of God in a consistent way. I think sometimes we don't realize the power that comes with consistency. Consistency. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you uh, four principles of practicing often. Four principles of practicing often. You know, there, there's a story that I heard not long ago that I think is very interesting. And it was a wise old teacher, and he had a young uh, student. And he wanted to teach this student the power of habits. And so he took the student out, and there was a little sapling tree. And he said, I want you to grab that tree, and I want you to pull it out of the ground. So the little boy goes over, he, he grabs the little sapling tree, and without much effort at all, he pulls it up out of the ground. And then the teacher takes him over to another tree, and this tree's a little bit taller, it's a little bit more established, 
And the boy has to work a little bit harder, but he pulls it up. Then he takes him over to a tree that's about the same size as he is. And, and, and he says, I want you to pull this tree up out of the ground. So he starts to pull the tree, and it's, it is harder, and he has to have more leverage. And, but boy, he continues to pull, and he continues to work at it, and he gets some rocks, and he cuts the roots from underneath it. And finally, after a lot of effort, he pulls the tree up. And then the, the master teacher gazes over at another tree, and the boy's eyes follow the teacher's eyes and he says, now, son, I want you to go over and I want you to pull that tree up. And what he was looking at is a very well-established, very large oak tree that had deep roots and had a, a round, uh, a thick trunk and had limbs uh, that were spreading out. And, and, um, and it was just a powerful tree. And he looked at that tree, the student did, and he said, Sir, I'm sorry, but I, there's no way I could even pull that out. There's no reason for me to try. I can't even pull it out. And the master teacher said, what you have just done is illustrated the power of habits. Because once a habit takes root in your life and establishes itself there and grows and it's old, it gets older and it gets stronger and it gets deeper in your life, then you might look at it and say, I'm not even going to try. There's no way to be able to do that. Now, we listen to that story and we can see the negative side of it because we've all had bad habits. We've had habits that we needed to change, things that we were no longer in control of, things that were controlling us. However, you can also look at this from a positive perspective because when we establish habits in our life and we, that are good habits and we allow them to grow and take deep root and they become aged in our life, then what happens is it's very hard for those to be broken as well. It is very powerful for us to establish the right kind of habits in our life to be able to be that growing, maturing, developing Christian. I'm just going to tell you the truth. A lot of times when we think of the word discipline or we think of the word uh, work or we think of the word practice, all of these words seem very, in our culture, in our Christian culture, seem very legalistic to us. Because we have spent so much time understanding and getting a revelation of grace in that we cannot be saved by our works because we don't want men to boast. The Bible says you are not saved by works, you're saved by grace through faith, lest any man should boast and say, I saved myself. I saved myself because I'm so good, because I did good. Because there's no one righteous, not even one, until we come to a relationship with Christ. So as it pertains to salvation or being born again or coming into a relationship with Christ, no, we cannot work for that. That's a free gift that can only be given to us by God. And when we ask for it and we confess the Lord Jesus as our Savior and we ask Him to come into our life and forgive us of our sins and we declare that He is the Son of God and God raised Him from the dead, then there's a regenerative thing that happens on the inside of us. And it's not something we do, it's something He does. But in that very same passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, it goes on to say that even though we're not saved by works, we are saved for good works. In other words, Jesus is saying to us that even though you can't get salvation by developing and, and disciplining and, and, and changing and doing all of that, you, after you are saved and your heart is regenerated, the whole path now 
is for you to discipline yourself according to the word of God. Can I just ask real quickly if we even understand what the word discipline is and where it comes from? Discipline just is the action of what disciples do. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We are followers of Christ. So what do disciples do? Disciples are people who are learning and they're developing in the ways of their master teacher. And our master teacher is Jesus Christ, the, the Yeshua HaMashiach, the great Messiah. And he is teaching us uh, how to live our lives in a way that is effective and impacting. And we are to become like that. And it takes discipline for us to do that. And discipline is established on a basis of habits. You know, Paul is making it very clear that we need to have established habits in our lives that allow us to be on solid ground regardless of the circumstances. He's revealing to us the power of consistency. Man, one of the greatest flaws in believers today, especially for the young generation, one of the reasons, you know, a lot of times people say, well, the young generation just don't want to follow Christ today because the church has, has, isn't relevant. The church doesn't speak their language or whatever the case may be. And that couldn't be farther from the truth, especially in current day as things are. And the truth is the Bible is always relevant, no matter if our methods are relevant or not. But, and, and I believe in having modern rel, uh, methods that help reach the young. But I'm going to tell you what's hurt the young generation more than anything else. It's been the inconsistency of the generation that has gone before them in spiritual things. It's been this almost hypocrisy of I'm going to speak certain things, but I'm not going to do those things that I'm speaking. That's the inconsistency that has caused this disillusionment that is in this generation to say, I don't even know if this is real. It's important that we as believers get this understanding that it's it, that God is wanting us to establish these positive habits. He's wanting the word of God to take root in our life and begin to bear fruit in our life. There is power in consistency, and he's showing us the power of not just practicing and not just practicing right, but he is showing us the power uh, of practicing often. Um. I was reading a book this week, and an example uh, was in that book of consistency and the power of consistency. And I don't know if you know who Larry Bird is, but Larry Bird's one of my favorite all-time basketball players. He was a Celtic, which is not one of my favorite teams, but he made that team. And, and during the time he played for that team, it was an unbelievable team. And even though they weren't my favorite, I love that team because just their tenacity and their, their just absolute rugged, raw way of playing basketball and and partly so because he was that way he wasn't the most talented he wasn't the most graceful he wasn't the most uh whatever you want to say as far as a basketball player goes but he is historically one of the greatest NBA basketball players to ever play the game and the reason is, is because he was consistent, he was disciplined, and he knew how to practice, practice right, and practice often. I remember, I remember hearing, uh, uh, you know, one of his great, one of the great rivals of the Celtics at that time was the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, and that would have been when uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played for him and Magic Johnson and and all of those guys. And um, 
when, when they had this team that was just unbelievable, and there was this conflict, and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson ultimately became friends, but they were not friends at first, and they were very competitive towards one another. And I remember hearing an interview, and, and, and Larry Bird used to put on this kind of facade where he, he, you know, he was from French Lick, Alabama, and French Lick, and he said, he, he said they would call, he would call himself the hick from French Lick, and he said, Magic Johnson said, if you ever, ever started believing that, you are about to get the whooping of your life, because he was not that at all. He was so good at basketball, but he just acted like he wasn't a really big deal. Now, let me tell you why he was so effective, what this example was. In high school, Larry Bird, before he would go to school, would go out in his yard or in the gym or wherever he was, and he would shoot 500 free throws every morning uh, before he would go to school. Now think about that. A high school student, before he would go to school, he would shoot 500 free throws. And then he was ultimately known as the, one of the highest percentage free throw shooters in the NBA, probably still today. Um, as Michael Jordan is very similar. He, sh he would shoot free throws, free throws, and he had a certain amount of free throws that he had to make before he would stop. And, uh, the, and because of that, I think his percentage was in the, the mid-90s of free throw shooting. Now, listen, that's unbelievable. But why? Because they practiced, they practiced right, but they practiced often. They were consistent. So I want to give you five, four, excuse me, four principles of practicing, practicing often, how this practicing often works. And, and these aren't from a secular mindset. These are from a biblical mindset. And I want to tell you that I'm not just telling you to practice good positive principles. I'm talking about principles from the Word of God. Your life can be what you want it to be. Can I tell you something? Your life can be the purpose and will of God in your life. You know, a lot of times I think we, we have this kind of defeated mindset. Well, I'm just, you know, I've just got all these problems. I got all these situations. I don't know if I'm ever going to be, I'm just not perfect and I'm just nobody. And, 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 and all of that may be true to some extent, but God has a purpose for us. And if he has a purpose for us, then he intends for us to accomplish that purpose. And if he intends for us to accomplish that purpose, then he will equip us and empower us to be able to accomplish that purpose. God's not going to give you a purpose and then not help you fulfill it. So in our mind, we have to start thinking, no, God will help me to mature as a believer. God will give me power over sin. God will help me to become the person that he wants me to become. God will use my life to make a difference, not only in the life of my family, but the life of my neighbors and the life of my community and the life of my nation and world. God will use my prayers. God will use my talents. God will use my abilities because he's made me to be a conduit for his purpose and his will. And the way that that happens is by me engaging with his word and engaging with his presence and engaging with his power to allow him to manifest his will and purpose in and through me. It's why Jesus told us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. At your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some translations say it this way, as it is planned in heaven, let it be manifest on the earth. That is how we want to live our lives. But in, in order for us to do that, we're going to have to kind of take the principles of the word of God that Jesus lived by, 
the principles of the word of God that the disciples lived by or that he taught the disciples, the principles of the word of God that the apostles lived by. And we're going to have to acknowledge and realize that they were no different than we are in the sense of they were men, they were human, they had flaws, they had weaknesses, they, they were women who, who were flawed and weak but also strong and powerful. These people were just like we are today. They had the same issues, they had the same circumstances, they had the same all the th same thing. Well, we have technology that's different today. Well, maybe it is. Maybe technology is different, but nothing's really truly new under the sun because the nature of man will all be the nature of man, always, and the nature of God will always be the nature of God, always. And so things aren't as different as you might think. In some ways, they're much easier now than they were then. In some ways, they're much harder now than they were then. So what we have to do is let's just go to that thing that doesn't change, the Word of God. Let's go to that which doesn't change, God Himself. The Bible says that our circumstances might change, people might change, the world might change, but He that believes the Word of God shall endure forever, and that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So here are the five principles to help you practice often that will give you victory in your life to become. The reason we're starting this year this way is because we want you to get off on the right foot. We want you to get your life in 2022 off on the right foot. We want your life to be a success, a spiritual success this year. We want your family to be a spiritual success this year. We want your, your relationships to be a spiritual success this year. We want God to significantly use your life and give you encouragement and hope and peace. And listen, that peace that surpasses understanding, that peace that transcends any earthly thing, that peace is available to us and it comes to us as we surrender our lives to the power and presence and principles of the word of God. So principle number one, practice consistently. There's a leadership uh, uh, teacher kind of guru named Daryl, excuse me, Darren Hardy. And he said this, a daily routine built on good habits is the difference that operates the most successful amongst us, or excuse me, separates the most successful amongst us from everyone else. I'm going to read it again. A daily routine built on good habits is the difference that separates the most successful amongst us from everyone else. I'm going to take it a step further. The daily routine built on good habits is the difference that opera, uh, excuse me, separates the most significant amongst us from everyone else. See, we're not just wanting success because success is about us. It's about personal things. It's about me doing something where I've achieved something for me. But significance is when you begin to add value to others, when God's able to use your life to make a difference not only in your family, but in all those around you and in the world. And I believe that this is the thing that separates people from significance and insignificance, is this good establishment of good habits. Let's not take Darren Hardy's word for it. Let's take the scripture's word for it. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. There is an operative word all throughout the New Testament that we rarely ever talk about, but it's this word daily. 
Luke chapter 9, verse 23, in the NIV, it says this. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. You know, sometimes we forget that that word daily is in there. We, 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 we can quote all the other words, uh, take up your cross, de- deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But we forget that that word daily is in there. And, and, and it doesn't surprise me because if you study the life of the Apostle Paul and you read the epistles, there are several times where Paul says, I die daily. He says that every day when I get up in the morning and I go into the presence of God and I pray, I say to God, God, I am crucified with Christ. This is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. God, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what he's saying. He's saying every day I surrender myself to the will of God. Every day I say no to my flesh. I say no to temptation. I say no to the world, the fears of the world, the sin of the world, the ideas of the world. And I say yes to God. I say no to the pride of life. I say no to the lust of the flesh. I say say no to the lust of the eyes and I say yes to the will and purpose of God he said I die to myself daily and I live to Christ daily in other words this relationship we have with Jesus is not a weekend experience it's not one church service it is a life that is lived daily in purpose and for purpose and on purpose. And when we worship together, it is for the purpose of edifying and empowering us to continue this daily walk with Christ. Is everybody getting that? Are you understanding that? We, are we, have we forgotten that? We need to remember it again today. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 in the NIV says, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of you, excuse me, all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your Daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Here's what he's saying to the Thessalonian church. Listen, don't make a big trouble. Don't be constantly in an uproar. Don't let your life look negative because your daily life is what people are looking at. Those people who go to work with you, those people who go to school with you, those people who live in that house with you, they're all looking at your daily daily life your daily walk and he's saying your daily life could win the respect of people who are outside the kingdom and cause them to want to be inside the kingdom it could win the respect of those who don't know Christ and cause them to want to know Christ why because they're looking at your daily consistent life it's important that our life isn't up here spiritually one day and down here spiritually the next. It's important that we aren't moved by our circumstances to where we're devastated one minute and we're overcoming the next minute. We need to have that even, consistent, daily walk with Christ like the Apostle Paul. Say, I'm content. When things are going great, I'm content. When things are going hard, I'm content because I'm not 
finding my contentment in my circumstances, but I am finding my contentment in my Christ. I am finding my contentment in my Jesus because he loves me and he cares for me. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 through 47 in the New International says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now I want to draw your attention to two, two key uh, sentences in that passage of scripture. It first says in Acts chapter 2 verse 46, every day. They, they continued in the temple and in homes. So here's what that meant, that every day there was some kind of expression of worshiping the Lord. Whether it was with their family, whether it was with some friends in a small group, or whether it was going to the temple, every day they committed to the Lord. Every day they worshiped the Lord. Every day. We live in a culture and a time where we have minimized our gatherings of worship. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should meet in church every week, or I mean, excuse me, every day. But I am wanting us to notice that we have lessened and lessened and lessened our commitment to gathering together in the church. And the Bible saw this coming because the Apostle Paul said in Hebrews that even as the end times come, we should gather together much more, not doing like some who have stopped gathering together. We, we need to be more committed and more consistent in our daily walk with God I mean, excuse me, with our, our, our weekly worship where we come together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. But that's not the most important. That is the time to be empowered. That's the time to be engaged. That's the time to be edified, but only for the purpose of us walking outside the four walls of the church and outside the four walls of that small group and going into our world and living for Christ daily because every day they continued every day they lived for Christ and as a result God added to the number of the church daily is it our desire that the church grow would we really sing like that new worship song God build your church do we understand what the requirements to us are if God does build his church we need to understand that God wants us to live a consistent life practice the principles of his word not just sometime but all the time not just one day a week or one day uh, uh, one weekend every other week or one time we get to no he wants us to love him every day he wants us to seek his face every day he wants us to be in his word every day he wants us to be blocking out time for him every day and most importantly he wants us to be expressing his love his grace his goodness through our lives every day so that those on the outside will look and want to be on the inside. Acts chapter 16 verse 5 says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Again, we read it again and again, this word daily. You know, running was a drudgery for me. When I started back running, we, I talked about it a little bit last week, but when I started back running, it was a drudgery. I didn't want to do it because I had gained a lot of weight and I was way out of shape and I used to be able to just go run as far as I wanted to run. 
But when I started back, it, it was horrible. I mean, I couldn't even run a mile without stopping. I couldn't breathe. My knees hurt. My shoulders hurt. And I felt like I was just barely moving. It was a, it, and then after I did that one or two times, I was like, I was fighting myself every day to even do it. I just, I don't even want to do it. It's a drudgery. And I say it this way, running was a drudgery until it wasn't. And here's what I mean by that. There is a certain place that I got into and that I, I, I am at now that if I don't run, I feel I, I, I start getting, it's almost like I'm addicted to running now. Like I get this feeling, oh, I need to go run. If I feel a little stress building up, I need to go run. If I feel like that uh, I, just, I just need some energy, I need to go run. When I'm feeling a little tired and I think, man, I don't know if I want to do it. No, something in me goes, no, I want to run. Now, the reason that happened is, is not because running's any easier now than it was. Any runner will tell you that first mile that you run, it doesn't matter how good a shape you're in. It still stinks that first mile. You're like, man, what am I doing? But the truth is, it, it, it think good habits in our life start out as a drudgery, but then they become a blessing to our lives. And that's what the power of consistency does. It creates second nature habits. In other words, you start doing things because it's just second nature. You're no longer trying or having to discipline yourself, but because you've consistently disciplined yourself to study the Word of God, now you can't wait to get in the Word of God. Now it's just natural. If you accidentally miss a day, you're like, man, I, I think I, I need to get in the Word. I find myself sometimes if I missed a morning and somehow maybe an emergency happened or somebody needed my attention and I, and I missed my time in the morning, I'll find myself at night going, man, I need to get some time alone with God. Uh, a daily denial of self will result in a daily embrace of God's will. Remember, it's that stop-start principle. A daily denial of self results in a daily embrace of God's will. When you deny one thing, you're embracing another thing. A daily taking up of your cross or purpose. God said you have a purpose just like Jesus had a purpose. And a daily taking up of that purpose results in a daily of accomplishing the will of God in our lives. A daily commitment to follow Christ results in a daily overcoming of following the world and people's approval. You know, if you're really fighting sin in your life, you're really fighting doing what the world wants you to do. If you're really fighting temptation and you don't seem to be winning, you need to start a daily commitment that intentionally follows Christ. I want to intentionally do the will of God today. I want to pray the will of God into my life. I want to I declare the will of God in my life. I want to read the word of God in my life. A daily overcoming of following the world and people's approval will happen if we commit to following Christ in an intentional way. Daily, consistent practice of the principles of God creates the habits that we need that will cause that thing to become second nature to us. It'll create a pattern in our lives that's positive. And can I just tell you something? It's very important that you get this and that I get this, that, that, that when we're growing and we need to grow, when we become a, a Christian, but then we start maturing, what's happening is the leader is changing. That our flesh used to be in the lead. Our carnal nature, our desire for sin used to be in the lead. And when that's in the lead, it creates all kinds of problems for us. 
Our mind is skewed. Our thinking is skewed. But when we allow our mind to be renewed by the Word of God because we make that habit of continually being in the Word of God, continually seeking the face of God in our lives, then what happens is your spirit gets in the lead. And instead of your flesh leading you, your spirit starts leading you. And when your spirit starts being fulfilled by the Word of God, what does it want? It wants more. When your spirit gets in the presence of God, what does it want? It wants more. See, you are a spirit. You live in a body. You have a soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have to renew and coach that soul into alignment with your spirit. But you want your, your, your spirit man leading. And how do I get there? By renewing my mind my soul to subject it to my spirit. And now it becomes second nature to do the will of God instead of doing the will of man. The second principle is this, for, for, uh, for practicing often. The second one is this, practice repetitively. You know, culture, norms, behaviors, and ways of doing and being are created by repetition. Doing them over and over and over again. You know, when, da when David fought Goliath, what was the testimony that he gave? I fought the lion, I fought the bear, now I'm going to fight the giant. There was a repetition there. When many times in the, the disciples' life and in Jesus' life, it would say Jesus went to pray as was his custom, meaning it's what he did consistently all the time. He, Jesus went to the temple to read the scriptures as was his custom. In other words, he repetitively did it all of the time. Zig Ziglar said it this way, repetition is the mother of learning, the father of action, which makes it the architect of accomplishment. If we are to accomplish the will and purpose of God in our lives, we are to be repetitive with the will and purpose of God in our lives. We have to consistently be in the house of God. We have to repetitively read the scriptures. We need to repetitively be in the presence of the Lord. We need to repetitively let the moving of the spirit happen in our lives and manifest itself in our lives. There's a scripture in Philippians 4 that we read earlier. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The redundancy and repetitiveness of that scripture shows us that this is a principle of practicing often. When we learn to truly do things repetitively in the spirit, what happens is it becomes second nature to us to do it. Do you know what I want for you as your pastor? Is I want when you face problems and you face temptations and you face obstacles and you face things that would lead you and distract you away from the will and purpose of God in your life and the victory and healing and deliverance and power of God in your life. Here's what I want. I want I want the Word of God coming out of you. I don't want worry coming out of you. I don't want fear coming out of you. I don't want anxiety coming out of you. I want the power of God coming out of you. I want the Word of God erupting out of your soul and through your lips and declared out of your mouth. Instead of being defeated by your circumstances, now you're taking authority and you're doing it because it is second nature to you because you have repetitively filled yourself up with the presence, purpose, power, and word of God. And then when you face a trial, all of a sudden, scripture starts coming out of your mouth. And you're like, where did that come from? And the power of God, you get angry spiritually when you're 
kids are attacked. And instead of saying, what am I going to do about my kids? You say, no, devil, you cannot have my kids. I take authority over them. Where is that coming from? It's coming out of a second nature, a spiritual nature that has been developed because you are consistently and repetitively in the practice of the principles of the Word of God. You're shooting those free throws. Shooting those free throws, shooting those free throws. And now when you walk up to the line in a game, you are convinced and confident that you're going to make those free throws. And that's how this works. Number three, practice intentionally. I've talked so much about intentionality in this church, and and so I don't need to spend a lot of time here, but I just want to tell you this. No success in any way, spiritual or otherwise, comes outside of intentionality. We so much of the time don't live our lives by faith. We live it by fate. In other words, we allow life to just happen to us, and we almost will say that's the will of God. Whatever happened to me, that must have been the will of God. No, that's not the way the will of God works at all. The will of God has to be sought out. It has to be prayed for. It has to be welcomed and invited in. And then the will of God can be manifest in our lives. But if we just treat life with however, whatever, and que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, that's not the will of God. That's not the purpose of God. And your life will not be spiritually successful if that's the way you live it. The way we need to live it is by pursuing the purpose of God and then allowing the purpose of God to be manifest in our life because we've submitted ourselves to it. We've said, God, I know I've got certain desires in my life and thoughts that I want to do. But what I'm asking you to do, line my thoughts, my will, my desires up with your will and your purpose and manifest that in me. In order to grow and develop in our faith, to mature as believers, to overcome temptation, to have personal spiritual victory and peace in our lives, we must be intentional about practicing the principles of God. You have to do it on purpose. See, you were born for purpose, on purpose, in the kingdom of God. And you have to approach the kingdom of God on purpose, for purpose. The fourth Principle is this, to practice often. Number four, and and this is probably one of the most important ones. You have to practice persistently. You have to go for it every day. And I'm just going to tell you, you're going to face obstacles. You're going to face trials. You're going to face issues. You're going to face times where the devil opposes you himself and stands right in your face and says, you can't do this. You can't accomplish it. It Look, nothing's coming together. Look, nothing's going to happen. Look at this. God's left you out here by yourself. Is he even around? Just been reading through Job. One of Job's mistakes was he was just, he, he misinterpreted what was actually happening to him. That it wasn't God punishing him or doing this to him, but it was the devil attacking him. And God was available to him. God wasn't being ugly to him. God trusted him. And, and, and because God trusted him, he allowed him to face the trials that he did. And those trials created character, which created persistence in the life of Job. And we need to understand, we need to be persistent. When you face trials, sometimes trials that come because of your own choices. Sometimes trials because they come for something you had no control over. We need to understand persistence is key to being consistent and intentional and becoming everything that God 
wants us to become. Martin Luther King Jr., when he was trying to get everybody to come and stand with them to stand against the tyranny that was happening at the time for civil rights and for equality for African-American people, he said this in one of his messages, and it's, it's an often quoted uh, uh, saying of his, and I just, I, I want us to hear it, but I want us to hear it with new, word, new, new, new vision today. I want us to hear it with new thinking, spiritual thinking, because when we face obstacles and problems and issues it, it, that get in the way of us becoming what God wants us to become, that get in the way of us walking in that perfect peace of God, here's what we need to remember. He said with fervor, he said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Listen, it doesn't matter the problems that you face. It doesn't matter how big or how small, how significant or insignificant. It doesn't matter how devastating or how how uh, uh, overwhelming it might be. Just make up your mind that you're going to allow tribulation to, to develop you and to help you grow, that you're not going to let it stop you and you're not going to give up because we know that those who will not faint will receive the blessing. That's what the Bible says. God is not mocked whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap if you do not faint. Just don't give up. Just refuse to give up. Just decide, I will not give in. I will not give up. I am spiritually resolved that no matter what comes my way, no matter what difficulty I face, no matter what devil wants to step in front of me, I am filled with the power of the Spirit of God. I am walking in the manifestation of the Word and will of God, and I will not stop. I, I, if I'm stopped in my running, I'll start walking. If I'm stopped in my walking, I'll start crawling. If I'm stopped in my crawling, I will do whatever I have to do even if I have to get somebody else to carry me across the finish line, I will not quit. Romans chapter 2 verse 6 through 7 says this, God will repay each person according to what they have done to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. Listen, I'm closing. I just want you to hear me when I say we're going to all face obstacles to the peace of God in our lives. We're going to face obstacles to that spiritual maturity developing in our lives. We're going to face obstacles to that growing and becoming everything God intends for us to become. But if we are to become powerful believers, if we are to walk in His supernatural peace, then we must practice often with perseverance. And the attitude we practice with is perseverance. We'll not be moved. The Bible says that we should be established, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not, we will not be moved. We will not give up. We will not stop until we arrive at our spiritual destination, which is heaven. You know, practice often means... Practicing often means to practice consistently. It means to practice repetitively. It means to practice intentionally and persistently. And as we do, I'll make you a promise. If you do this with a sincere heart, it will build foundational habits in your life that will cause your daily Christian life to be second nature. 
And I'm telling you, if you'll just do this, if we'll just remember again what it really means to be a disciple of Christ, if we'll just remember again what it means to follow Him, I'm telling you right now, the results will be life-changing. The results will be life-changing for you and for those around you. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. I mean that sincerely, God. I thank you for your word today because it has inspired me. It has, it has anointed me. It has touched my life this morning as I have declared this word. And I pray that, that Lord, we'll get a hold of it. I pray that we'll embrace it. I pray that we'll use it in our lives, God. Change us and through us change the world. In Jesus' name, amen.